You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. CFL podcast, the Toronto Argonauts blow themselves up edition. Uh, my name's Oz Davis. I'll be your co-host for the show. And joining me as always is my co-host, Joe Pritchard, out there in Wisconsin. Joe, how's it going today? Feels like some of the shrapnel from that explosion is hitting Winnipeg as we speak. <laughs> it is. It is. Let's talk about the blow up. Okay, so we should say that we are recording this on October the 9th. For release on October the 10th, that's a Thursday, the trade deadline just passed, and we got some moves. One of the headline stories on the official podcast, CFL.ca of the league, uh, noted that usually at the trade deadline, we don't get much action at all, but this year we did have action aplenty, beginning with the Toronto Argonauts, probably the 55-8 to loss at home to B.C., uh, on Saturday, probably the worst loss of this football season, not involving the Miami Dolphins. Um, after the game, shortly after the game, it was revealed that Jim Pop would be out as GM. And coming into that position is Pinball Clemens probably making the Toronto Argonauts the rare example of a case where the GM is the most popular pos- uh, player on the club. Also, uh, moving up with Scout John Murphy to the VP of Player Personnel and Assistant GM position. Now, here's Pinball Clemens. Here's John Murphy. Neither of them has held uh, a proper GM position before. Uh, What are you expecting here, Joe? I'm expecting Pinball to act more of an oversight role, which is what Mm -hmm. he did when he was head coach for quite some time. And I would expect that uh, Murphy, who has been in places like Calgary and Saskatchewan and has had some success, uh, to put it mildly, will be doing more of what you would think a when you hear the title general manager, I believe Murphy is going to be the guy doing a lot of what you'd expect out of that position. Pinball, of course, is going to have the rubber stamp. He's going to be the one that's going to go approved, disapproved, what have you. But I'm sure he's going to be leading on Murphy. Uh, I'm sure that he's going to be taking more of a role in the front, uh, in the front, just to give, uh, just to help the team's perception, which probably couldn't go a heck of a lot lower in Toronto right now. Uh, and Murphy is going to be the guy do, dealing with the nuts and bolts. Gee, it kind of sounds like the uh, Lakers situation with Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson. I hope it works out a little bit better for Toronto. Uh, Also, I don't know if this was part of the deal or not, uh, but Zach Caleros, who played, what, all of maybe three snaps uh, for Toronto after being traded from Saskatchewan uh, prior to the season, has been traded to Winnipeg for a conditional first-rounder and a third-rounder now. Of course, instantly there was a lot of skepticism. I mean, this just happened a few hours ago, or the announcement of this just happened a few hours ago from our perspective as we record this. Uh, Twitter, Winnipeg, Blue Bombers Twitter is already kind of 
blowing up with skepticism. I don't know if I can say that, but there's a lot of skepticism. However, the report is that uh, Caleros has, in fact, been practicing the last three weeks and, in theory, could be game-ready. But the rumor has it that Chris Strebler is still number one there, despite going two and four and hmm, having some pretty weak games as of late. Uh, when do you want Caleros in there, Joe? And when do you expect him in there? Uh, can we go with never? Really? Really? Wow, never? You expect he's going to be in there never? Well, I expect he's going to be in there, but I'd rather he not be. Uh, and it oh, has nothing okay. to do with what he could bring to the table. It, uh, okay. I, I'm feeling really uncomfortable about seeing him back on the field and then seeing my team as a team that's talking about doing <laughs> it. Uh, okay. I mean, he's a grown man, and he, and he wants to play the game. That's and more power to him. And he's gotten some opinions that are favorable to that. I'm just wondering if the risk is worth it. And I guess wow. only he can make that decision, but I can't be. Yeah, I can't. I can't feel good about the decision he's making. Wow, very interesting. Okay, well, there's not a heck of a lot of risk here. Okay, because Winnipeg did get a fifth rounder, probably the one that uh, Saskatchewan uh, that was traded to Saskatchewan. Um, they got that fifth rounder, and the first rounder in 2020 won't happen if Caleros doesn't sign with Winnipeg. So there's not a heck of a lot of risk here. Well, not for the football team in football terms, no. Right. But I'm not but, talking about that. Okay, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that he's a he's at a heightened risk for concussions with the multiple major mm. concussions he's had. Okay. When are, are we just going to wait until a player dies on the field before we start <laughs> taking this seriously? Joe, don't say that, man, because maybe. And that's been my theory for a long time, you know. Um, well, okay, that's that's a good point, Joe. That's a good point. I'm 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 kind of glad you're looking at this in more than football terms, uh, because yeah, you're right. It's a good point. It's a good point. He is uh, that concussion risk. Right. Uh, he, but you also have... he has the right to make that decision. Right. He has right. the right to talk to doctors and get their opinions on it. And honestly, he has the right to disagree with the doctors and do what he wants anyway. It's his life. But uh, you're not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and wave pom poms and say, "This is a great move for the Bombers. They have they have shored up their quarterback depth." Uh, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I just can't. Mm. Wow. Okay. I. I gotta admit, you surprised me a little bit, Joe. But I see your point. I see your points. I should say. Um, right. Let's. Okay. Well, let's talk about last week then, um, <laughs> and how the Toronto moves, the Winnipeg moves, and everything will affect things going forward. Uh, of course, the first game played last week on Friday didn't have much to do with what we're talking about now. However, uh, having watched Hamilton 42, Edmonton 12, Joe, I came to the conclusion, or at least I started thinking about one thing again, and that is that the CFL really needs a 10th team. I mean, this is going to be, for me, this is maybe the fourth time in five or six years where a team that really didn't des 
deserve it and really didn't look like a playoff team is going to make the playoffs. I mean, I'm thinking particularly of the BC Lions last year and the BC Lions in 2015 uh, when Tedford was the coach. I don't know uh, what to make of these Eskimos at this point. Should they be in the playoffs, Joe? Uh, probably not without Trevor Harris. They don't look <laughs> like a playoff team at all. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, of course, they were playing Hamilton, who, who does – at this point, looks like a team of destiny. Um, completely the best-looking team in the CFL right now. Uh, the defense had five sacks, three interceptions. Uh, on offense, Dane, Dane Evans was a neat 24-32 for 277 and two touchdowns. And Terrell Sutton, 11 catches for 88 yards. So this team is humming. Yes, it very much is. Just like the song says. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to feed into that, Joe. Thank you very much for completing the alley-oop. Right. Let's talk about my favorite game of the week. Montreal Outlets 21. Calgary Stampeders 17. I Got thought us. you were going to say the BC Toronto game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that for other reasons. We'll talk about that shortly. I did uh, for perverse for, – for that. For perverse Edmonton Eskimos hating reasons, I really enjoyed that BC game. Uh, but in any case, let's uh, let's look at Alouette Stamps briefly. Now, normally, you'd have to be concerned when your team wins, okay, but still gives up almost 500 yards of offense, which was exactly the case in the Montreal-Calgary game. However, you've Gotta love shutting out Bo Levy Mitchell and the Calgary Stampeders in the fourth quarter, in the second half. You've gotta love the fact that the Montreal defense produced two two and outs on Calgary in the fourth quarter and stopped the final drive before they could score the touchdown and win the game. Um, what, if anything, impressed you in this game, Joe? Besides Vernon Adams again? Yeah, how about Vernon, huh? He didn't even have to throw for 350 yards this time. He was nice and conservative, made good decisions, no mistakes. And how about that's Vernon? pretty much the kind of game you have to play to beat Calgary. And mm-hmm. I think that impressed me more than him lighting up the Bombers in the second half because, let's face it, that's not a hard thing to do these days. Uh, <laughs> It impressed me that he they were able to game plan and he was able to follow the game plan that goes against a lot of his strengths as a player, and yet he yeah. was able to execute it to a T. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, good observations there. Now, what's my Montreal schedule look like? Because I understand you have the schedule tab popped up. What do we got coming Let's up here? Let's see. So, at Winnipeg, so that's a win. Uh, <laughs> home against Toronto, that's a win. Home against Hamilton could very well be a win because I think Hamilton clinches before that. And then at Ottawa. So running the table is on the table. Yeah. Okay, but it's really looking a lot like Hamilton and Montreal, the only teams in the CFL playing out the string right now. Right. It's pretty much over. Yeah. As far as that, as far as the... um, as far as clinching goes, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, it's Montreal would have to have literally everything go right, 
and Hamilton would have to have everything go wrong for Montreal to be hosting the the East final. Right, and while everything is going wrong in Edmonton, there are absolutely zero signs that anything's going wrong in Hamilton, who's just got the pedal to the metal this whole season. I mean, you know, you talk about getting hot, you talk about getting on a roll going into the playoffs in modern sports, but jeez, I mean, Hamilton has been on a roll all year, pretty much. Uh, really, an infallible team. However, Montreal with Vernon Adams ever since week three um, have looked really, really good. So that Eastern Conference Championship could be really good. Let's talk about this one um, because this one has a lot of repercussions on the CFL right now. Saskatchewan Rough Riders 21, Winnipeg Blue Bomber 6. I know you don't want to talk about this very much, Joe, but it is inevitable. Um, here are the Riders. And I wanted to throw this at you, Joe. Okay, so here's Cody Fajardo, you know, another really solid game, 300 yards passing, 47 yards rushing. Uh, Shaquille Evans had just a monster game, seven catches for 193 yards and a touchdown. But after starting one and three, the Riders are easily the hottest team in the CFL, even over Hamilton at nine and one. My question to you is, Joe, does Cody Fajardo have a, 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 does he have a say in the MOP race? Could Cody Fajardo be the MOP? Maybe, but the thing that's impressing me more and more about the riders every week uh, is how consistent they come out. And they really don't, yes. it really doesn't feel like they have any major holes. Uh, there's not a, a ton there where you go, okay. That that position group's fantastic. That the defensive line is amazing. Like last year, I mean, they still have talent there, of course. Yeah. And Charleston Hughes is Charleston Hughes. But yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like the line last year that basically carried the team for half the season. Yeah. But they don't like a, they don't have the position groups that are dominant, but they don't have any holes either. And no. that this year is good enough and it could very well propel them to Calgary uh, in late November. They really, they really don't. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know, this looked like a roster full of names. And then in, of course, your first game, you lose two quarterbacks and it looked like this whole season was an experiment blown up very early on. But here's the thing. I mean, they started one and three and then in week five, they got the bot. And since then, they've gone on a run. So here's my other question for you, Joe. What happened in that bye week? <laughs> what did they do to turn this into a 900 team? This team's been playing 900 balls since then. And the only game they lost was the Banjo Bowl, which now looks like a bit of a fluke. It does. You know what? We should <laughs> ask the Piffles podcast guys. I'm sure they'll tell us that it was all about the Jesus sprinkles. <laughs> Word up, Joe. All right, now, I know you don't want to talk about the dark side of the spectrum in this game, but we're going to. Uh, let's talk about the Bombers. Um, to me, again, I, and I think I said this last week, but I have to say it again, the depth, the depth is killing this offense, isn't it? It's it's almost as though Streveler has reduced himself to believing that Andrew Harris is his only weapon. 
And here's Harris. You know, in the last five games, he's had between 10 and 14 carries, X number of catches, and he has yet to break 90 yards in those five games. It's just becoming too obvious for teams to, to play this offense. Well, and what doesn't help Strebler either is because he had to play three of those six starts against the Riders, who yeah. the first the first one was uh, the Labor Day game, and he was fresh, freshly off the bench at that point still. Then the Banjo Bowl, where uh, the offense found ways to make the Riders pay every single drive yep. until about the middle yep. of the third quarter. Uh, so there's two games worth of tape that they had that they knew that they had their defense facing up against Traveler. They found what worked, especially what has worked for other teams in the games in between, and made it stick this time around. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of turnovers in bad places again for the Bombers, but yep. they're not good enough anymore to be able to shrug off a turnover in the in the other team's uh, scoring zone. What, I guess not. What the Riders did was they made Strebler be a pocket passer, and Strebler's not a pocket passer. There was a couple of times in this game where Strebler, where I was watching close, closely enough to notice that Strebler would take the snap, uh, be up in the pocket, look one direction, and just right. lock in. Right. Failing right. to put half the, half the field in play to begin with, but then also being so locked in that he had defender uh, defender either hit him from behind, which will happen. You get blindsided from time to time. But there was also a couple times he got hit in the front side without have yeah. it, without it being clear to him at all that the hit was coming. Mm-hmm. So when you get yes. hit in the front side and it looks like a blindside hit, that's a problem. Because you're not paying, you're not paying attention to most of the field at that point. Yeah, he's not doing his progressions. No. Yeah, yeah, no, they would, they, they would, they would pick him apart in the NFL for this. Uh, yeah, he's just not, he's just not getting his reads. And the, and the weird thing was, is he looked like he was doing it earlier in the season. It's almost as though you know he's lost confidence back there, which is weird because you know now he's got six games under his belt, but it, he looks more newbie than ever back there now. It's very strange. Very strange what's going on with uh, Strebler and the Bombers right now. Um, any hope? You, you have no hope that these guys can turn around. Mm, not with Strebler under center. I don't think. And now I'm going to start talking about the football side of things with Kalaros here because I did the other stuff earlier. Yeah. I don't. Th- I think it's far too late for this trade to have happened to have any sort of impact this year, unless you're going to have Claro start in the playoffs and that's his first start, because there's not a lot of time left in this season. Yes, Claro's mm-hmm. is a pro; he knows what to, what he has to do to get prepared. But there's only a couple weeks left in the season. What do you expect him to be able to do? Download the playbook uh, into his brain in one shot? <laughs> assimilate the information but uh yeah and and on top of that again and if they resign him you got to give up the first round pick and you have you know the quarterback controversy if you do that so well, it's like you, yeah if you resign him you're not resigning nichols and strevler's also a free agent right. so you're not resigning him there will be no controversy uh one of those three is going at this point is going to be re-signed to be the bombers quarterback uh mm-hmm. to at least start 2020 
Uh, who it is, we don't know yet. I'm hoping it's not Strutler at this point, because I don't know if he's going to progress past this stage. And it's That's a lot of talent on this team to put all your eggs in his basket for next year. Uh, <laughs> but I, we would have to see something rather impressive out of Kalaros, or know that Matt Nichols is never coming back. His shoulder's so screwed up that he's not coming mm. back ever, which, given he's mm. a quarterback, given it was a throwing arm, has to be in the realm of possibility just simply for that fact. Uh, or they don't sign any of the three of them. Go out yeah. and try to get a veteran somewhere else. And we know La Police uh, tends to like McGuire. Who knows? Maybe he's the backup next year. Maybe he even wins a starting job out of camp. There's mm-hmm. a lot of loose ends right now in Bomberville yeah. when it comes to the quarterback position for this year and next. Yeah. Season's not even over yet. But yeah, as you were saying that, it occurred to me too. Yeah, I mean, that's a very real possibility is that the Bombers have X at quarterback next year. Like, we don't even know who their quarterback Maybe Kilgore. Huh. Well, here, here's an intriguing <laughs> name to think about. Okay. Does have Does Hamilton have their starting quarterback now? Is Dane yeah. Evans the guy? Yeah. Because if he yeah. is, who's a free agent then? Oh jeez. Yeah. Well, it's uh, wow. That that's a that's a very interesting question, because you have to think one of those two guys goes, right? And uh, of course, there's been a lot of talk with so many second stringers getting so much time this season of you know, the possibility of movement in the offseason. Now, probably most of the headliners will stay. BC, quarterback will stay. Montreal, Calgary, uh, at this point, Saskatchewan for sure. And, okay. and Edmonton too, Trevor Harris is not going anywhere. Sure, Edmonton, yeah, Edmonton will keep their quarterback. But but you've got half the teams in the league then. You've got half the teams in the league who could shuffle their quarterback out. Right. And there's even a possibility, but they have the possibility yeah. of bringing back Nichols too. So they're mm-hmm. not a for sure thing, but Toronto yeah. for sure is going to be looking for somebody. Yeah, uh, Ottawa is going to be for sure looking for somebody. So that's three teams potentially that are looking for a frontline starting quarterback. Hamilton's got two of them and they're, and the one that they paid the most is a free agent and might not be <laughs> their preferred starter. Now. I wonder yeah. what happens to that bidding war if that one starts. Yeah, it'll be an interesting shuffle again next year, except next year it'll be more about up-and-coming names instead of what we had this year with established names. I think Stre- I think Strebler costs himself a couple thousand dollars a year or a couple hundred thousand dollars a year just based off the last two weeks. Incidentally, talking of quarterbacks moving around, I, I probably should have brought this up at the beginning of the show, but did you see the thing on Third Down Nation about Bo Levy-Mitchell and the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, that, that would explain a lot about the Vikings. Uh, I do have yep. to praise them for their commitment to mediocrity. <laughs> well, as a Green Bay fan, yeah, you better. Uh, I was I was glad to read that story. So kudos to Third Down Nation for that, or Three Down Nation for that, uh, because I remember during the offseason where Bo Levy had workouts with, I believe it was at least four, five and a maximum of eight NFL teams and none of them bit. And uh, I was just kind of wondering what was going on. And three down nation ran a story last week uh, where they, where there was, they interviewed uh, Bo Levy and he discussed the situation where it was 
even if you make the team, you're not going to compete for Kirk Cousins' job. So I thought that was really interesting. I can't imagine an NFL team doing that unless your quarterback is Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, and it's taboo to suggest that you would start over them. But I just thought it was really interesting. That's the NFL for you, though. Yeah. In the CFL, there's not enough monetary difference as far as what you sunk into a guy in previous seasons that would keep you from going, well, uh, we're going to keep the guy that's worse just because we've got so much invested in him. We've got so much cap room tied into him. He's the guy no matter what. That, that doesn't exist in the CFL. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, you could give a signing bonus out, but it's not going to be the end of the world if you move on from a guy that was making a lot, lot of money comparative right. to the rest of the league it, uh, because it, we're only talking a couple hundred thousand dollars here. Right, right. You're going to give the signing bonus to the player, but the player is not necessarily going to be able to afford a third world country right. like they can with an NFL contract. Right. So, But I just thought that was interesting. So check it out, 3 Down Nation. Check out the Bo Levy-Mitchell interview and the situation with the Vikings if you're into American and Canadian football. But anyway, the the week finished off with BC Lions 55, Toronto Argonauts 8. Now, you can't say too much about this game. However, Joe, I did have this for you. Now, BC Lions, this is kind of the team that the optimist expected at the beginning of the season. They're 4-0 in the last four games. Yeah, okay, they played four East teams, but three times they've held those teams to eight or fewer points. That's pretty impressive. Next week, they get Edmonton. Okay, now, you've been saying for a while that in order for BC to catch Edmonton, Edmonton would have to go through an epic collapse. Is Edmonton going through the epic collapse right now? Keep in mind that C.J. Gable is out. Uh, I would say (laughs) yes. However, they can collapse all they want. Because BC will have Saskatchewan in week 19 and Calgary in week 21, likely with something on the line, at least for Saskatchewan. So Edmonton might not win another game all season. BC could catch them, but Edmonton's got the tiebreaker. (laughs) Uh, Even if BC wins? Yes, because Edmonton Edmonton blew the doors off of them a couple times earlier this year. That's right. That's right. Yep. Wow, they really should have won just one more game <laughs> earlier in this season. Damn, wow, that really is tough. They got hotted just just one game too late, it seems like. Yeah, and, and, any, and not and, to say that it's impossible, but it's not probable. No, still, still, as well as BC is playing and as poorly as Edmonton is playing, still, wow, the numbers are just way against BC. Right. We'll be talking more numbers. We'll be talking playoffs scenarios right after the break, which we're going to take right now on the Roos Ryan Blue CFL podcast. CFL 
Football Podcast. I'm Austin Davis. I'm with my co-host Joe Pritchard. Let's talk next week's games, but first we're going to talk playoffs scenarios. That's my cue, isn't it? Okay. It is. So, we are talking about a couple of things that we've been talking about for a couple weeks now. Uh, so, these things haven't quite happened yet, but are so close to happening, it's pretty likely. So... Uh, let's see. Hamilton has the bye this week, so the East Division can only be clinched by Hamilton this week if Montreal loses or ties. Right. So if that happens, then Hamilton has clinched first place in the East and hosts the East Final, which also means Montreal clinches second place and will host the East Semifinal. Now, if Montreal wins, they're still theoretically in the hunt for the East final. <laughs> but how many games back? Are they? They're, they're two and a half games back right now, right? That, it's another one of those situations where they'd have to win out and Hamilton would yeah. have to lose out for that, for oh. them to switch positions. So it's not okay. probable, That's but not we're only talking about the possible at the moment. Right. Okay. Okay. West division. Same thing. We were just talking about this. Uh, if Edmonton wins, or ties BC this week, they have clinched the playoff berth. Mm-hmm. End of story. Because then BC would and be five still and eleven. Right. Yeah, BC right. would be five and eleven. Edmonton would be eight and eight. BC couldn't catch them, and it's over at that point. Yeah. Um, now, Edmonton would have clinched at least fourth place in the West, and would have and has clinched finishing higher than Ottawa. Or and Toronto, or Toronto. so right. that would put them in the playoffs. Now, if Winnipeg continues in their current trend and Edmonton rates the ship, Edmonton's still in the hunt for third place, uh, and theoretically is also in the hunt for second place. I don't know if they could finish first. Uh, that's assuming, of course. <laughs> wow. That's assuming, of that's course, assuming a complete a reversal of how they've been playing. Right. Right, as well as Calgary, as well as, you know, Winnipeg, the bottom needs to drop completely out. Yeah. Right, we'd be talking about a lot of contingencies at that point. <laughs> right. So the thing to remember this week is if Montreal loses or BC loses, they can no longer finish a step above where they're at right now. Okay. Easiest Great. way to think of it. All uh, right. So, and if... BC loses, all the playoff berths will have been clinched at that point. Oh, because okay. Ottawa and Toronto are officially eliminated, right. and Calgary, Winnipeg, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, and Montreal are in. The only question about who makes the playoffs or not is, again, that West scenario where BC goes completely nuts and Edmonton has a bottom dropout. That's right. the only way we're talking about a different team in the playoffs besides Edmonton in the sixth slot. Right. Well, yeah, or Winnipeg in the sixth slot, right? Right. Because Edmonton is not that right. far But Edmonton away. would be the sixth team to clinch, and there's only six spots. Yeah, right, 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 right. Okay, I got you. I'll tell you what, man. If Edmonton ends up in that second spot, I will borrow money from everybody I know and put it on Saskatchewan to win the Grey Cup. Okay, because... <laughs> That would mean that everybody in the West is cold. Saskatchewan gets a bunch of home games. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Come on now. That's not going to happen. Might not but... be the worst idea you've ever had, even if Edmonton <laughs> doesn't do that. 
Well, except Hamilton, right? Uh, <laughs> I made too many bets this year where Hamilton beat me, so <laughs> I'd so be a betting. little bit timid so on that. Stop betting against oh. Hamilton, will you? Well, well, it's not like I'm betting on them to lose. I'm just taking the unders. I'm just taking the, you know, minus the points or whatever. It's just they're doing just enough to beat me every week, basically. In any case, uh, this week, at least as far as Vegas and the sports books are concerned, we get a bunch of nice games on the slate. Uh, every game is super close. No double digit games. Not even a game more than a touchdown. Um, let's take a look at these spreads. Now we're starting off with, uh, I don't know, an exhibition game. Ottawa at Toronto. Toronto. Toronto with a new front office and an offense that can't generate yards or points is favored by a point against Ottawa. Now, call me nuts, but... You're nuts. I, I'm going to go with Ottawa. I'm going to go with Ottawa here. Just on the off chance that there's so many shakeups in Toronto. And let's face it, this game is basically flipping a coin anyway. So I'll give it to the home team. This must be why the why the minus one. Because Toronto's at home. So I'll go Toronto, but basically the point here is who cares? Yeah, I'll go Ottawa because first of all, they're starting a quarterback not named Jonathan Jennings. Yes. And secondly, Toronto absolutely quit last week and i see no reason why they start back up at this point right yeah the front office is great for the fan base but um it rarely trickles down to the field this late in the season after such a frustrating season like toronto has had right now game two on friday is a little bit more uh interesting in fact a lot more interesting this probably will decide okay you can tell me saskatchewan are uh three-point underdogs at calgary what is the effect of this game on the race? Because Calgary and Saskatchewan are one and one right now. I'm not exactly sure on that, but if Saskatchewan wins, they go to eleven and four, and Calgary goes to nine and six. They'd have a right. two-game lead with three to go. Right, 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 right. So this would almost solidify the division for Saskatchewan with a win, but. I'm going to have to go with Calgary here. Uh, I've been pumping them up ever since Bo Levy Mitchell came back. And despite the loss against Montreal last week, where basically Montreal did everything right, I still kind of think Calgary is the favorite to take the whole thing. So I'm going to take Calgary, and I'll even take them minus the three. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat, only because... Calgary's not going to let Saskatchewan have it that easy. <laughs> well, that's infallible logic, Joe. Right, I wouldn't bet on that, but <laughs> it is good logic. All right, let's see. Let's go to Saturday's games. All right, here's the game we want, Joe. Montreal at Winnipeg. Montreal, three and a half point underdogs. I wonder what the thinking is there. Yeah, that's a good question. I was just doing my pickums on the pickum site because that's when I do them now. Because otherwise, I forget. And right. I saw that Winnipeg was favored by sixty-one percent of people. I wow. would like to know what the heck sixty-one percent of the people know that I don't know here. Yeah, you wonder. You wonder. I mean, two and four run. I mean, I guess they're at home, but. Montreal is pretty hot. Montreal, at least the, Montreal's at least the hot. Burning Axe. 
in there. And they figured out in the second half how to stop Strevler and the Winnipeg offense. What makes us think that Strevler's going to get back going, especially considering how rough he's had it the past couple weeks? Yeah, I mean, I actually figured this out uh, over the weekend because I'm such a loser. But uh, Montreal is 8-6, but without Vernon Adams starting, they're 0-3. So in games with Vernon this year, we're 8-3 and three, uh, outright. I don't know against the spread. I don't know what the numbers are. But I don't understand this line at all. I'm taking Montreal. Yeah, I'm I, taking Montreal plus points. I'll take the win. I, I would almost tell you to put money on it, except that <laughs> you have the double devastation of losing money and having your team lose a game if you did that, and the Bombers <laughs> somehow managed to win this. Right, 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 right. Well, what you do in such a situation as this? You take your team to win, and then you take the other team to cover the points. Right. So that way you can have it both ways. Now, since Winnipeg is the favorite, I guess you just cover both. Or you cover Montreal plus the points and then Winnipeg to win outright. So that way, you, you know, you can cover both. And if it's a close game, you might win both. In any case, uh, last game. Wow, these schedule makers were fortuitous here because these last three or four games are quite significant. Last game, BC at Edmonton. Here's BC's dying gasp. BC has been playing. Must-win games the last two weeks. Here's another one. Uh, they are two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. So, obviously, Vegas sees the pendulum swinging away from Edmonton and the pendulum swinging towards BC, who has been hot. Uh, BC at Edmonton. Wow. Well, Edmonton can't score. So, <laughs> I guess I'm going to go with BC here. I don't feel great about about that, but I'll take BC. Uh, I'm in the same I hear you clicking, so I hear you clicking. I'm I know in, you're making your pick. I'm in, I'm in the same spot. I'm going to take BC. <laughs> I feel a little bit less comfortable about it because I believe the Edmonton defense can put pressure on Riley, which is what he hasn't faced uh, much of in the last little while. Yeah. But yeah. BC is literally backs against the wall, and Edmonton's got Logan Kilgore. Um, yeah, I think I'm okay with BC. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, again, we have to temper this winning streak of BC a little bit. Yes, they're 4 0 in the last four, but these are all against Eastern teams, including two against um, Ottawa, in which Ottawa looked really bad. Ottawa looked like the worst team in the CFL, despite the Toronto's record. Uh, but yeah, I'm not again. <laughs> All season, all season, we have not been sure what to make of these BC Lions. Uh, this game should say a lot because here's Edmonton, very talented team. However, team playing without Harris, playing without CJ Gable. So if, if BC Lions can't win this game handily, even I would say, well, then, you know, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs and nobody can and this is purely speculation on my part, but I think there's a lot of coaching jobs and maybe even a GM job riding on this game in particular because if they go down swinging in week 19 to a first-place rider team or even go down for the count in the final game of the season against Calgary, if Calgary has something to play for, that's one thing. But if they kind of go meekly into that good night against a team that's struggling as much as Edmonton has lately, then you can kind of look at what they've done lately and go, well, 
look at the competition and look what happened when they faced a team that's actually won some games. Really? Wow. Because uh, in the first half of the season, we were talking when, when BC Lions was stunning us with their incompetence. We talked about this and kind of came to the decision that, look, the BC Lions coaching staff is mostly newbies. These guys are mostly all going to be here next year. I think the only veteran is the offensive coordinator. So he might lose a job. But, I mean, I don't think – I don't think BC – I think this is one of the main reasons why BC Lions haven't been as competitive as they might be is because this coaching staff is fearless. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, Eskimo's coaching staff is going to face some uh, axes if they lose this game. They may very well, even if even – if- the they end up with a couple more wins and an eastern yeah. semi loss that might not be yeah. good enough. Wow. I mean considering the fact that the way they look right now, they're gonna lose that eastern semifinal like fifty to three to Montreal. I mean considering that I I don't think it matters. I, I don't know what Edmonton can do to save certain jobs there. I really don't. I really don't. I mean, of all the teams in the CFL, as bad as Ottawa has looked this year, Edmonton is certainly the biggest disappointment. I mean, I I guess I should wait because maybe BC Lions will have a worse record, in which case they could be the biggest disappointment. But the way that Edmonton looked in game one, if you recall, and, and the first half of the season versus the second half of the season, I don't know. I would call them the loser of the and I know I've been picking on them a lot. And I'm sorry, Eskimos fans, but wow. You guys were disappointing. <laughs> I gotta say. I, although I know you're very disappointed in the Blue Bombers, Joe. But. Yeah, but you could you could point to a couple of different reasons why that was. And sure. I'd be comfortable that that's why it all happened that way. BC's sure. had a lot of things go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing went right, basically, for about... 12 games. In any case, all right, let's fold it up this week. Uh, good luck to your Bombers this weekend, but not too much, Joe. Yeah, we're going to need all the luck we can get. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I didn't think I would be saying that at this point in the season against the Alouettes, but I am. In any case, let's sign it off for this episode of the Roos White, and Blue. I'm Oz Davis for my co-host Joe Pritchard. We are out of here for this week. Enjoy the games. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.